Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello! Trojan fans, welcome to the Bearstyle Podcast on a Wednesday. We're right in the middle of USC Spring Football, I'll give you an update of what we've seen over the past couple of practices, and of course, preview the Spring Showcase that will happen this weekend, Saturday, April 17th, at the LA Coliseum. Open to some limited fans and family. We found out about that this week as well. We're going to talk to Keely Yor and get her thoughts on what she's seen out there on the practice field. You can follow her on Twitter at Keely is my name. And if you have any questions or comments for our show, we always love to hear from you. Podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address. That's the easiest way to get a hold of us. But if you'd rather leave us a voicemail, send us a text. The number to do that is 424-254-9141. You can also get questions in another way. If you've got that Apple podcasting app on your phone, on your Mac Pro, whatever you got out there, please follow us, uh, follow the Parastyle Podcast, and leave us a five-star review, uh, any kind of comments, feedback, suggestions. And if you have any questions, we'd love to hear from you there, too. We'll pop you up right to the top of the list. And I want to welcome in Keely York, because I think we got a couple new reviews, and she could read them for us. But Keely, how are you doing today? Hello, hello, Ryan. Doing well. Glad to be talking some spring football today. Yes, spring football. How? I mean, we talked about this before. How different is the spring Pandemic yes. versus, and we're not post-pandemic, but closer to post-pandemic. Sure. It's very different. Yes. We got so much stuff going on. There's, I mean, there's 20 spring sports or something going on at USC right 21, now. 21, either practicing or performing. Yeah. We're watching football practices, like water polo stuff's going on in the background. Uh, great. Yeah. It's great. I love it. I love being able to see practice again, some sense of normalcy. It's, it's great, Ryan. <sighs> we're trying. We're trying to get back to normal. So yes. hopefully we're all right. But, you know. It's normal for people to want to review our show on Apple sure. Podcasts, right? Like Great pl- transition, please Ryan. Please, everyone, do that. <laughs> yeah, we got two new reviews. Uh, first one is a five-star from Thomas in Malibu, uh, who left us the title. We can't always see the full title, so I'm going to guess what it said. But it said, great team covering the greatest, and then it said co, so I'm thinking greatest college football team. If I say so yeah. myself, uh, five stars. Well done, he says. And then this one's hilarious. It's from CT Guys, who left us a five star review and said, a, mo- a modest proposal. I usually use podcasts as a sleep aid, but yours are too fun and interesting that I stay awake too long. Could Keely sing a lullaby at the conclusion? Sleepless in Connecticut. Uh, well, CT Guys, I don't want you to have a nightmare. So, no, I'm not going to be uh, <laughs> singing a lullaby then. Are you not? You don't have the greatest singing voice? No, I did not. I wasn't gifted with that. Me neither. I And I su- I'm such a ham. I would love to be able to sing. <laughs> You're like, a ham, right? I would just stand up on stage and sing all the time. Sorry. I just like made Keely like, freak out and lose her microphone. <laughs> um, yeah. No, if I could sing. I mean, I, I don't mind like doing presentations in front of a bunch of people, but like if I was singing and entertaining like that, man, that would be fun. No, I always make the joke that you can tell when you're showing up to practice or leaving because you can just hear you coming because you're saying hi to everyone. You're like, hey, oh. man. <laughs> I left a little early on Tuesday's practice because I had my volleyball league. And apparently, I've been, we'll talk about that. I missed some good stuff. But everyone's like, stuff. where are you going? And like, and like, well, I got three other people here covering practice and uh, I got to go play volleyball. So yeah, someone good. someone joked with me that we have 16 people at practice. And I said, well, 15 or 16, depending on Ryan's volleyball schedule. So. Yes. There, <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, before we jump into talking about what we've seen 
at practice, which it is fun. It's fun to be able to go back out there and check it out. Even from the, the rooftop deck, it's not bad, you know. Up I up, like up. that view, actually. Yeah, I mean, the, the stretching part where we can film still sucks because they're so far away. But besides that, like, everything's kind of cool. Uh, I do want to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's. They've been so awesome to us over the last several years. Literally was in Trader Joe's about an hour and a half ago. So oh, I stopped in. Yeah. Prepared did, uh, for the podcast. My Wednesday Meals on Wheels, I got done a little early. So I'm like, I'm going to stop in at Trader Joe's, pick up some some necessities, and make myself a little lunch before I roll over here to the podcast. We're taping a little earlier than we normally do. So I've talked to you about like the Indian food before. Are you an Indian food fan? or You've taken me. I do like some things, yes. Yeah. You've broadened my horizons. And uh, the lamb vindaloo, it's just like, you know, a little frozen meal in a box. It's great for one person, but you got to accompany it. You get the frozen garlic naan as well, which I love that bread. Ooh, I don't know if you can do it. I like, can't, but it's good. I know is it there, is. There's gluten in that too? Because yes. it's kind of like. It's bread, right? <laughs> I know, but it's like a thinner bread, but. <laughs> that doesn't matter. Mm, it's But it's so good, so. <laughs> And you it literally you pop it in the oven for about a, a minute and a half. So we have to preheat the oven, but um, man, it just goes well uh, with the, the sauce and everything from like the lamb vindaloo or any of the the dishes. That was great. But I also picked up a little dessert because I do that. Of course you did. Uh, they're the sea salt chocolate chunk cookies. Oh, and they're legit. Like it's, I think a package of three of them. Uh, they're like three bucks or something like that. But man, I just I had a little glass of milk. Dunk those in. They're, they taste like gourmet cookies, so there's wow. not like the little like crispy. I mean, those are good too. You pop a bunch of those crispy ones, but there's a bigger, more significant cookie. You got the sea salt, which usually means business, so it's good. <laughs> sea salt means business. Yeah. Okay. And, and this isn't like a Trader Joe's thing, but you could pick up. Are you a White Claw fan or like Trulies? Do you like those? Yeah, I, I can do that because no gluten. There you go. There's no gluten, mm-hmm. uh, so it's sort of like. And I like them having on the golf course. I found a new pack at Trader Joe's. So usually there's like the variety pack and they have one crap flavor in them, you know? <laughs> this one was all good flavors. So oh. it was mango, blueberry, strawberry, and watermelon. Blueberry? So blue, I've never seen blueberry, never wow. seen strawberry, but there was no like lemon or lime or whatever. Like those are usually kind of lame. So anyway, but found out at Trader Joe's. So that's cool. What was the brand? It's their white claws, yeah. Oh, okay. They're just like, yeah, it was just a white claw brand. But Interesting. I think Trader Joe's might have their own like like hard seltzers too. Uh, check them out. responsibility responsibly what do they say on the commercials <laughs> yeah please drink responsibly yes um, 21 and older but those are i i don't know like people are like oh it's a i'm like they're good dude i take them on the golf course you can have a couple of those and it's just like refreshing and it's like you know no, it's really nice for someone who's gluten-free because like you know the casual drink you have in your hand is a beer but i can't drink beer so then yeah. it's like okay pass me the hard stuff but i don't want to drink that <laughs> at like a casual event so yeah no white claw saved me on that front nice this became a white clad <laughs> that's okay yeah it was good but i like the new box of flavors if you're gonna try that and they have my trader Joe's. so there you go uh thanks again to trader joe's all right keely so yes. We were out there on Tuesday, and apparently I left when it got really good. You did. Uh, I um, watched all the defensive backs. It's definitely, you could see when they split things up, the corners, uh, just not that many guys out there. I think there was only five over with Dante Williams. There was more more significance on the safety side. There was, you know, you know um, with uh, Craig Nivers. But it was interesting. I, I find, like, if I just pick a position group and watch them, if you're watching the whole practice, you're trying to take everything in. It's t- And you guys are doing that because you're reporting on everything. Yeah. Like, I have the luxury of like, I'm going to watch this group today. And I, I feel like you kind of get a, a a deeper dive on things. But um, it was I feel, a- Yeah. I feel like that's a nicer way to watch practice when you can just like really focus on one group rather than trying to take in everything. There's so much happening at one time that like it's nice to just focus sometimes on a certain guy. Or like Shaka and I will do this thing where before a team run, we'll be like, I'll, be, I'll say like, okay, I'm watching Brett Neal on. He'll be like, I'll watch 
can I Malga? And then we'll like compare notes of like oh, what nice. that one individual rep did. Yeah. So you try and get as much info as you can. And so we do have a lot of people out there. So if you guys are, make sure you're going on uscfootball.com. The the notes, the ghost notes that Chris puts together with Keely and Shotgun, it's those are awesome. Like they're, I mean, they're you're not going to find a more detailed report. I guarantee you anywhere <laughs> on that because we have a whole team out there. Uh, we got RJ Abadia doing some stuff out there too. You know, different reports on position groups. Um, we can't do a ton of footage. Um, you know, I, at we'll, all. We'll put up some, but it's kind of be the same stuff. We did have it's like some, punter cam, basically. Yeah, I mean, I can shoot all the way across to do the stretching, but you're basically just seeing the guys doing the same stretching every time. So <laughs> yeah. we did more when we were in the Coliseum because we were closer. But it's really hard to focus on any individual when we're about 120 yards away. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe more than that. So yeah, yeah. probably more. Yeah, because it's a hundred yard field, ten end zones. More, yeah. Plus, yeah, it's probably one hundred fifty yards away. Probably yes. yeah. So, but there's a ton of information up there. So make sure you go uh, check it out. And we also have the interviews. Um, maybe we'll do that first. So in the morning on Tuesday, we were supposed to hear from Mike Jenks, the running backs coach. A couple of running backs. Apparently, he had some kind of conflict, so they did a, a last minute switch. Like. Bring in the right-hander, call the bullpen, <laughs> and Seth Dagey, the new tight end coach, comes in with Eric Cromenhoek, and uh, I thought it was, I thought he was good. I mean, for this is his first time being a full-time assistant, yep. and uh, I like the way he handled, you know, a lot of the questions, the way he handled himself, um, you know, talking about things like we're not trying to win the spring, we want people to have, you know, the right rep. So it's like if you're if you're practicing three pointers. And, you know, you're, you're bouncing it off your head and, and one out of 10 goes in, they don't care that you, you got one of those in, like you didn't shoot the ball, right? They, yeah. they would rather you miss every shot, but you're, you're using the right form. And that's kind of what he was saying is like, they want them to just, you know, do things the way they would like to do them. And if, if it's successful or not, it's really more about the process, I guess. Yeah. I thought, first of all, it was, it was an impressive uh, interview by Daigie just because we saw him basically getting parking, getting out of his car and getting yeah. to his office quickly because he was like the fill in interview for the morning. But um, I thought it was particularly interesting that we kind of got that mindset and that philosophy of at least what they're thinking about on offense, because I felt like on Tuesday it showed how, you know, they're still installing things. They're still trying to add new wrinkles. And so maybe we should hold our judgment a little bit as far as what we've seen on offense, because before Tuesday's practice, I was a little bit like this is what we've seen like we've yeah. seen a lot of this from graham harrell but there were new wrinkles um and we can't really get into formations and stuff like that but we did see some new stuff and so if they're trying to play the long game and and have clay mcguire get used to uh his personnel and have him i guess introduce some wrinkles into schemes and whatnot um we're starting to see the start of that i think so if if that's their process i think we at least saw the beginning of that on tuesday yeah and we don't know exactly what's going on. I mean, the Harvey Hyde podcast, he pretty much roasted. If you guys haven't <laughs> listened to that, he roasted the offense. But sometimes you're like, okay, today the the defense is working on like, you know, stunts or all out blitzes or whatever. And like the offense is working on something else and just it doesn't mesh and the offense looks like crap that day. And that's not a- necessarily like the offense sucks. It's just like they're working on different things potentially. And so like that happens. We, we don't know what the plan is for practice. Yeah. Here. And that's the thing about um, watching a team 
go against each other so much is there is a familiarity like uh, issue where one side might be more familiar with the calls or whatever. So you can kind of key on uh, what's going to happen. And so that kind of raised itself on Tuesday because there were some some loopholes or some some trickeration on from the offense on Tuesday. And the defense was was tricked. And so we hadn't really seen that before uh, from this defense. And so uh, it made you wonder, like, OK, was the defense kind of familiar with this offense? And now when they're actually throwing a new test, they have to do some adjusting. So this is the first time we really saw the offense get the edge over the defense. So um, that's the thing is like you have to kind of take everything with a grain of salt because you're not going against a foreign opponent on a Saturday. You're going against your same teammates every single day in practice. So it's it's a different type of evaluation in that sense. And there's some sense of, I mean, if you're a coach and you're preparing a practice plan, you know, for the day, you could do things where you're like, oh, the defense is working on this. And the offense has happened to be working on something that does really well against that defense, you know, like, (laughs) so you can, there's like, you know, behind the guy behind the scenes, like turning a few dials, hitting a few buttons. If you need the offense to look a little better one day. So they went from looking pretty crappy on Saturday to looking better on Tuesday. You know, there's probably some schematic stuff going on behind the scenes, some part of the plan that would help that a little bit. And I don't think that's a bad thing. If that's what's going on, you want both sides of the ball to be confident and yeah, no matter what, if the, if the defense is going to completely dominate, you want to challenge them more too. So maybe you stack the decks against them a little bit to give one side a little advantage to like humble the, you know, the team that's the side that's doing well. I, I think as a good coach, you're trying to do things like that. Yeah. And this is where I kind of, for once, kind of understand USC's point of view from things a little bit, not to get all Allen Iverson on us, but it's practice, you know, and sometimes you're going to have to suck to get better. And so if you have guys like us uh, reporting every day on what happened it might be hard to have that day be like oh the offense sucked but like really they were installing something new or trying something new and that's what it's going to look like until it gets better it's only when the whole spring goes by and we're like wow the run game did not look better at all that's when you can take those conclusions but day by day it's kind of you have to take it with a grain of salt but I thought Tuesday was encouraging for USC's offense and it's funny you mentioned that like we didn't get to watch practice all last year and if they wanted to come out and say wow, the linebackers were looking great. And then when we see them in the games, like, no, they didn't. <laughs> like what, yeah. what was, uh, or wow, the, the run game, or this is great. You know, and now we actually get to see it. So you might hear from them. You might get a little more insight from the coaches because they know what you saw. They know that you yeah. saw. And I think one of the questions um, to Seth Dagey was about the defense being ahead of the offense. And that's when he sort of backed off. Like, I'm not going to agree with you on that. Yeah. I, we're doing certain things. They're doing certain things. It doesn't, it doesn't mean the defense is you know better right now. So I, and I, I think what he said, it didn't come off as excuses or it just, it came off. Oh, okay. You know, that makes sense. And, yeah. You know. I also just feel like the offense for some reason just feels like it's more in an in influx than, uh, USC's defense this spring camp just because the wide receivers it's just not guys who have chemistry with Keaton Slovis like you're just now having Drake London get that chemistry back with Keaton Slovis Brew McCoy finally came back to practice on Tuesday uh, he was going through the acclimation period so he was just in a jersey and shorts but he was running like a man who was angry that he yeah. missed the last uh, two weeks of practice but l- those are key guys who make the offense run more smoothly so uh, I think they're and then just trying to figure out the offensive line that's just a new wrinkle that who's going to be that left tackle which we heard there would be more mixing and matching we have nope. we've not seen that it's just <laughs> Cortland Ford yeah at, at first team left tackle and so it, it made me kind of wonder this week is this something where they kind of know that they're going to go to the portal like you wouldn't mix and match if you're like okay we know we're deciding between Cortland Ford and Casey Collier like 
I, part of me is like, okay, are you just waiting for the portal, like another enrollment period in summer? I don't know, but it, it made me think about it because yeah. why mix and match and then not do it or say you're going to mix and match and not do it? Yeah, that, that's like if this was last year, if it was last fall, then we'd be assuming that there's other people getting reps and we can see and you're like, nope, it's still yeah, it's still Corlin Ford, uh, which is fine. I thought it'd been weird to mix and match before that. Like you're kind of getting ready for the spring game. Sure. If they were doing the spring game at the end, then you do, Oh, I did two weeks of Corland Ford, maybe you two weeks of somebody else. Yeah. You know, at this point, I think you want, you know, you, well, he's probably going to be working with the first team. Let him work with those first team and see what he does in a scrimmage kind of situation. Yeah. It makes sense, but I'm just going off of what we were told. I mean, yeah. we've, we've heard that both from Graham Harrell and Clay Helton, which it makes you wonder, okay, what were we told in the fall? <laughs> we can only have pressers and, and what actually happened in practice. So I think a lot, I think a lot. Was, sure. Uh, sure. Yes. It's uh yeah, but uh, overall I think it was, I mean, it was a, a, a step up for the offense uh, on Tuesday. I'll get my DB report. Britton Allen is uh, making some plays yeah. at safety. Uh, he had a couple of picks, I think, uh, at yeah. least the, the 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 periods I saw, and but it looks like after I left, things got really it got heated. interesting. So what? Yeah, so they, they saw me walk out and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna <laughs> get like, really excited." Ryan's <laughs> gone. Let's make this interesting. <laughs> no, um, so they didn't do the Trojan drill to start practice. But the weird thing, did you catch this? At the beginning of practice, they had the coaches switch position groups so like Vixa Oto was working with I think like the tight ends Mike Jenks was working with the defensive linemen yeah uh the linebackers were going through like the running back tunnel thing you know what I'm talking about it was a, so they so it wasn't it was there was a rotation though it was like the offensive players went with the defensive yes. coaches and vice versa but yes. then each of them had a station so it might be some kind of ball security drill so yeah. it was like for the DBs they'd have to run through pads trying to get the knock the ball out and uh yeah so it was weird and so they all each you know group like linebackers, defensive linemen, DBs, they went through these three stations run by like Graham Harrell ran one, I think Colbert and uh, yeah. Jinx might have ran the other one. Yeah. But they, yeah. So there was like different kind of like ball security drills, but you were getting coached by a different yeah. yeah. Was, and it, then like it was the a neat wrinkle yeah. yeah, and the wide receivers were doing tackling drills. Like it was an interesting switch, and um, apparently it was just so like the players can kind of get to know the other coaches on the team and also just get some valuable skills. So like, Hey, if you ever do have a ball in your hand as a defender, yeah. you'll know what to do with it now. So I thought that was just an interesting switch, but then, you know, after that, that was kind of like the only real interesting thing of practice for a while. Pretty much, yeah. And it had the potential to be like a normal clay health and practice where it's just like, ho hum, you know, they do the reps, they do the thing and that's it. And then suddenly um, they they do this like drill. It's four on four. And so you have like a, a ball carrier and three uh, blockers and then three defenders and one guy in the backfield. Um, it's like a modified like Trojan drill. I don't yeah. know how you would describe it. And uh, they it was only four reps. But man, was the team into it. It was intense. They put the ball on like the two yard line, had the guys run through and try and see who won. And and they were intense. And, like at one point they were like clapping before the ref. Like, <laughs> and the thing was, is it was very organic. Like it felt like um, the players really wanted to beat each other uh, in a very good competitive way. I know uh, Chase Williams was like, take this stuff personally. And stuff was not the word used. But nice. yeah, so uh, that was really, I thought it was 
a good team bonding moment, but also just instilling physicality. And then after that uh, little drill thing, Clay Helton used it as a moment to say, like, hey, we're going to go into red zone situations. And this is this is it. Like, this is where you show if you're tough. And, like, if you, you know, just like normal football speak. And so I thought the practice was designed well, where you go from that high-energy drill where everyone's kind of screaming at each other right into red zone where you're putting the ball on, like, the five-yard line and being like, go. So let's see who wins, you know. And so that that energy carried over. I thought the offense played pretty well in that portion, which I wasn't expecting from what we've seen so far yeah. in camp. And so they actually played well. Um, I can't really get into details because that's we're not allowed to. So yeah. um, new wrinkles, new stuff we saw. The defense was definitely tricked at certain times. And we saw Jackson Dart um, have some special plays. That was something where you're like, okay, he kind of took a step forward on Tuesday's practice. So that's something I'm going to watch for to see if he builds on that. So it was it was a very lively, competitive uh into practice and i mean i've seen almost every single clay elton practice and that was definitely one of the best i've seen so yeah it was it was cool to see for sure the uh, you mentioned jackson dart i was watching the quarterbacks early like well, i was focused on the dbs but then they would sometimes just like going through special teams drills and i'd watch the quarterbacks for a while and uh i was just looking at the way all the guys threw the football um i mean there was just so many tight spirals yep. uh I, they did one or just like they would do these drills they would throw like an over the shoulder one of the quarterbacks would go out of the sideline and just kind of ha- hold his hands you can't see me but hold his hands <laughs> up over his left shoulder and then the quarterback would be throwing it you know from uh you know deeper and then kind of try to put in this basket that the other quarterback would be holding and Keen Slovis was you know after he threw he was like holding his basket out there and Miller Moss like Slovis didn't move. Moss put it like shoulder, 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 you know, and like Jackson Dart did it. And I don't know if Miller was just moving, but they, they weren't like in the, it wasn't as accurate. It wasn't in the same spots, but all of the guys, Mohassan, they all looked like they were throwing like these tight spirals. And uh, I was just really impressed. Now, once they started getting into like some of the one-on-ones, there were some picks, there were some good plays by the DBs. Um, but the overall, I think, they just look pretty comfortable throwing the football. And I, I feel like that's, I think Seth Day was asked about that a little bit too, because he was, you know, working with the quarterbacks and, yeah. you know, the first couple of practices, they, the young guys might've been deer in headlights, but now they, they seem to be finding their own and day by day, you know, each one, they're going to have some good plays. They're going to have some bad plays, uh, but that's, you know, kind of expected, but I would say, looking at both dart and Moss. Uh, they both look like they can, you know, if they had to be thrown in there to play, I mean, I, I don't think you'd be disappointed with either one of them. I think it's early, yeah, but I think they're they're definitely taking strides uh, forward. I thought to your point about the interceptions and whatnot, there was it's worth noting that there was a ton of wind at practice. They were throwing into the wind, and sometimes the ball would just die. Yeah. And so I think they tried to adjust for that as practice went on. But um, I thought Dart did a really good job adjusting for it. But uh, I thought, yeah, I thought we definitely saw a, a step forward from both quarterbacks. And I just think it's interesting how they're still rotating Mohassan, Miller Moss, and Jackson Dart in that second team role because I like seeing every guy with the second team just to see what that looks like. And so it's good to see. Yeah. So those were good. And you'd mentioned before, I, I think, does it matter if like the offense had a bad day? Or do, I, I think the way that they are practicing, it feels different. And that's kind of what you're trying to build in the spring. If, yeah. if a rep didn't work out, if a guy fumbles the ball, they throw a pick, whatever it is, I feel like the intensity has been ramped up. I feel like there's more physicality there. And that's more of just like the how you're getting there. 
I just like the way of how they're getting there. Maybe they got, come away and the, the, the short, you know, yardage run game just never materialized throughout there. But I think you're trying to build on that by being more physical, running some of that red zone stuff. And yeah. I think that will pay dividends. So I, I wouldn't get too tied up in this guy did this, this guy did that, whatever. But I, I feel like the way they're practicing is going to prepare them better than what we've seen from other spring practices. Yeah. Overall, the, I feel like the train is headed in the right direction, if you will. Um, I just think there's just a different level of physicality. And we talked to Aaron, Eric Cromanhook on Tuesday and he said as much. And he's like basically a six year senior at this point. And he said, yeah, it's one of the most physical uh, spring camps I've ever had. And, you know, that might be player speak because he's sure. speaking in front of his coach. So what is he going to say? No, it's not. Um, but I, I definitely think that it, it seems organic like uh, it's not forced and it's not one of those things where they start off strong at the beginning and then die out. You know, sometimes I felt like spring camp was kind of like, OK, let's go. Let's get this over with. You know, like, let, let's go through the motions. Let's get some stuff done and then let's get out of here. But it doesn't feel like that. Like they really enjoy being out there. And maybe that's a product of not having a spring camp, you know, and having this weird pandemic where you are like, hey, let's actually really take advantage of this time to really grow our team and instill some culture things that we didn't really get a chance to in 2020. So that's a good point. You don't you know, people are going to ask like, well, it's great that they're having this physical, intense spring practice. Like, where's that been the last five years? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, yeah, you have new coaches that are, you know, I, I think Todd Orlando has to be a big part of the reason be, why, yeah. for sure. Yeah, that's the attitude that you want from one of your coordinators. But your point is good too. You know, you miss it with the pandemic, and maybe you know, hey, you know what? Maybe we took this for granted or whatever. You know, I don't know, but don't disagree with any of you. They're saying where has this been? It should be that way. But, yeah, no, um, for sure, it does feel. It does feel different to me. It feels different. And we always have to put the disclaimer, hey, they could have a great spring where they're bashing heads and then get to fall camp and they're in jerseys and shorts every day and, and walking around, which I don't expect. But, you know, it, we have to see it transfer over. But this is definitely a change. And I it makes you wonder, OK, what would have 2020 the fall season look like if they did have a spring like this? You know, I think it's encouraging for USC fans that they're continuing that mantra of being physical and, and tackling and whatnot, because they could have just been like uh, happy with how 2020 went, you know, all things considered, and then just kind of rested on that. But I feel like they're still trying to push it. So, I mean, I feel like the defensive staff is leading the way in that sense and Eric Cromanhook said as much as well so I mean it seems like they've talked about it a lot but spring is where culture is made and it, and it seems like they're really trying to to be that in this spring yeah I mean when Todd Orlando said that it did make a lot of sense sometimes coaches will talk and you're just like it's the peanuts you know when the adults are talking like wah 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 <laughs> yeah. that's probably before your time but if no you I know I get that reference yeah uh sometimes that was that and I felt like it was genuine from Todd Orlando they were saying like hey you know Again, should he have to change the culture? Like, should the culture have been better before? Yeah. Yes. But he was coming in to try to change it. And the way you do that is these off-season practices that they didn't get to have. So mm -hmm. it's about installing what you want uh, you know, from your unit. And he wasn't able to do that. So I, I feel like he's sort of making up for lost time. And I, I, you know, I take him his word. I, I felt that was genuine what he was saying. And you're seeing it. You're seeing that like this looks like different, you know, a different kind of feel to practice. So I get what they were saying that we're doing this differently. We're changing the culture of the team where last year it would have been a bit hard to do that because they didn't have the off season to work on. Yeah. You're sitting behind a computer screen, not much physicality. You can, Zoom. you can uh, instill through that. Yeah. But. He doesn't like practices like out there with footballs and jerseys and helmets on. 
that doesn't count. Like, what is a Zoom? Like, that's not, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That's a great point. Yeah, so. like, if, that, if that doesn't count when you're out there running around and, like, you know, getting somewhat, you know, and I, physical with some guys, but not just not having pads on, then, yeah, Zoom is not nowhere close. It's funny because I kind of have to remind myself sometimes that this wasn't, a f- like, this staff didn't come over from a different place. Like, these were all different parts. I mean, besides uh, Orlando and Nivar, like, Vic Soto has the same exact mentality as the other defensive coaches. And I think it's just a really good organization of guys who really have the same mindset. You know, I think that helps as well, is that you don't have a weak link coach kind of lazily coaching or doing something like that. Like, they all seem like they're pushing their guys hard and, and, and are trying to instill that physicality, so. Yeah. They had... Uh... I had that before a little bit. But what? Some guys taking some time it off, would, maybe. Or I will just say that it didn't seem like a full united group no. on defense. But yeah, this does seem a lot better. Yeah. Well, so Saturday is the spring showcase. We mentioned this. I think it was breaking as we were, d- were doing the Harvey Hyde podcast on Monday. Did you play the little drop? I did. Oh, nice. We did the, you uh, don't have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do. It's. An open spring scrimmage. I did get an email from a non-season ticket holder, and I don't know if the season ticket holders have been informed yet. I don't know either. Uh, I haven't seen it, but basically it's going to be friends and family of the team, which I think makes sense. The parents have been jonesing to get out. We hear from all those parents. They want to see their kid play. They text us like, what's going on at practice, whatever, Um, which don't blame them. They'll be able to watch, which is great. And, you know, there will be some fans allowed, but they're they're starting with the season ticket holders. I don't think they're going to get to anybody else. Um, but was it five thousand? Five thousand. Five thousand yeah. people, which you know, holds seventy seven thousand. I think you can do that pretty safely when you're outside. Yeah, and, I think uh, so. I don't. You know, I got no issues with what they're doing there. So I think it's cool. There'll be a, a fan element when you talk to a lot of the players. They enjoy it when people are watching, and yeah, I mean, you know, it's sometimes fun. Like sometimes you might get nervous or whatever, but it's it helps you. I mean, if you're you're going to be playing actual football games in front of people this year. So practicing in front of people makes some sense. Yeah. I mean, the last time they played against USC fans that were not friends and family was the 2019 Holiday Bowl, which seems like a lifetime ago. Wow, yeah. So, I mean, I think it'll be fun for them just not just to hear organic crowd noise. I think that will be big. I mean, for us, too. Like, we've only heard canned sounds <laughs> over the last yeah. year. So that'll be interesting. Going to games last year just some of the sound like it was always just weird sounding you know like there was always just like this eerie echo like I always I always will go back to this but the first game it was kind of overcast and they went back in the locker room after warming up and that's usually when the band takes over and it was just quiet it was just the echo of of music in the coliseum and it was like this is weird yeah it's almost like a horror movie or something. <laughs> yeah a little like, bit what little is bit. going on but we will see some fans out there and we will see uh, they've already announced four 12-minute periods. Um, there'll be a Cardinal team. There'll be a gold team. Sounding more spring gamey than what we made, we, we originally were, you know, the showcase. Uh, man, Coach Harvey Hyde hates the showcase. He says it sounds I'm terrible. Sure. Like I'm He just sure. thinks, like, what, who came up with this? A marketing guy? And it really stemmed from the sanctions. Like, that's sort of when they've been doing this. So I think you've been waiting a while to like break free of that. And uh, maybe this will be the year where it's just like, yeah, just go out and have a spring game. You got, you got like 20 offensive linemen out there. Like usually it was like, oh, you only have like eight offensive linemen. Guys are going to be running back and forth. Like 
No, dude, you got plenty of offensive linemen. You can make everything else work. Go for it. Yeah, I, we will see. It's such an easy slam dunk for fans. Like, just do it. They'll be happy. Well, I don't know. At this point, I don't know if you can please USC fans. But I think if you tr- at least try to do a game, people will be pleased. But I think there's a part of it, too, where beforehand, I don't think they were confident enough to go out there and be like, hey, this is us. Please evaluate us in spring, you yeah. know? And so I wonder if now they're like, hey, we're confident in what we're doing. Come watch us and see how we're improving. Who knows? Because it's going to be on the Pac-12 network uh, yes. live. It was two years ago, and, like, they didn't show anything. Like, it was, like, the wor- one of the worst practices, if you remember. <laughs> well, we did see the Drake Jackson uh, tip interception to himself. True. Yeah, that was That good. was the one thing from that day. Yeah. But that's the thing is, like, they're very uh, – What's what's how's how's the right way to describe this? Like, for example, Shotgun was taking notes on his phone on Tuesday on the ledge, and he barely had like the top of the phone up. So like, apparently, the coaches called over to the SID and said, "Hey, put your phone down because we're we're we think you're filming something." So they are very, very paranoid in that sense. Which I mean, I understand if you're working as hard as you are, you don't want anything to leak or get out. So I think in that sense, you can. It's going to be pretty vanilla. You're not going to like because you know every team in the conference is going to want to watch what they do. So, yeah, I'm just, you know, the, the trend towards like football is a bunch of state secrets. I got an email from, so for our podcast of champions, little plug, uh, we're doing some (laughs) spring football updates. Yes. And I got an email from a, actually I got it up here from a Utah fan. He was kind of giving, uh, the spring football report. Um, so he was talking about, uh, Kyle Whittingham and how secretive he is. And he's like, um, he's so, yeah. So he was saying that he's like, uh, he goes, they blame COVID. So they didn't have any uh, observers going to practice. And they said they blame COVID. But frankly, if it were up to Kyle Whittingham, the games would be played in secret and he would just tell everyone the final score after the fact. <laughs> like, I don't get that. Like, you're, it's football, you know, and it's trade secrets, Ryan. It's, you're, you're playing advantage. games. That, that, I mean, I think you think too highly of yourself. Like, if you really think that, like, this is, you know, if someone doesn't see this play, I, Pete Carroll was as confident as anyone. He's like, I'll tell everyone what we're doing. You could see it. Like, the Oklahoma media were allowed to come to practice. And he goes, I don't care. Like, you, yeah. you're not going to stop us. Like, you, you, you know, it's not like. It, the, the, you know, the advantage we have is that there's a secret that you don't know about. Like, I, I don't think that's football as much like football's being tougher than the other guy. Sure. And like, yes, there's some trick plays or whatever. But like, if you just don't even want to, I mean, people to see anything, I, I just never bought into that. Yeah. I mean, I completely get that. And that was kind of the point I was making earlier is how confident are they? And like, hey, we'll we'll show you where we're at right now and you can see it. But who knows? I just know that USC is always a little this era of USC is a little secretive. Yeah. And I mean, that's definitely the trend, you know, um, you know, most places wouldn't let you go film or watch summer workouts and stuff. USC back in the day, like encouraged it. Then they've, you know, backed off on that stuff. That was, that was definitely fun. And, uh, but I think if you're a team, it helps you. I mean, we would talk to the coaches on Pete Carroll staff. They knew like a site like ours has, all the recruits are on it because they want to see where they're ranked and all that stuff. Yeah. When we're showing their players in the summer, having fun, doing seven on seven, one on ones and all that stuff, they knew the recruits would watch that. It's free so advertising. It, was, it definitely was. And, you know, so there's, you know, it, uh, just being super secretive and not letting anything out is not 
um, you know, that's not without risk. You know, you you could be losing a, a lot of opportunity to showcase what your guys are doing. And yeah. and to be honest, you can stand out because most people are pretty closed minded about this stuff, not letting it out. Yeah. Um, well, what are you looking forward to seeing hmm. on Saturday? I, I feel like they'll split up the veteran uh, quarterbacks and then the, you know, the two freshmen. So those probably be on there. They can. Yeah. Split up the offensive lines. Um, there's plenty of offensive linemen. You know, the first team, second <laughs> you team. You made that point. <laughs> yeah, a whole bunch of times, uh, which is always like an issue. You know, and, yes. and just kind of split up the defense. They, you know, you might need some help with the cornerbacks a little yes, bit. Yes, you will. Um, but you know, I think in general they'll just kind of split up and let them compete. I, I, I think it's gonna be a pretty fun one. I'm excited to just see the line play for sure. I think the defensive line has been intriguing this spring. I more guys have stood out to me than I expected. And then just seeing the offensive line full go. How does Cortland Ford look with real pressure? I mean, he's gotten real pressure before, but like in a game like situation like that, uh, or what we're expecting to be a game like situation. We hope. <laughs> um, so definitely looking for that. I just have this feeling in my gut, Ryan, that some freshman quarterback is going to do something. And since everyone's going to see it, that's going to be the next, like, why isn't this guy doing X, Y, and Z? Why aren't they playing this guy? You know what I mean? Yes. Like, it's going to be one flashy play that everyone's going to over read into. And, that's just what happens. So I'm I think that. a favorite could be picked here because there was people were like big on Miller Moss, but he was like the second quarterback to commit. But then Jake Garcia drops. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. Miller becomes a guy. But then you get Jackson Dart, who was actually playing high school football his senior year. Senior year blew up. Blew up. And then he become and oh, he's pretty athletic too. So then he becomes like a, a favorite, sort of like Moss was before. But now that it's going to be on the Pac-12 network and you're going to see this, like if Miller Moss makes some crazy play or Jackson Dart makes some crazy play, they're going to be like the fans will just like latch onto that, like you said. And yeah. So I feel bad for either one of those guys if one of them has a bad day. <laughs> yeah. Because the other one will probably become the fan favorite. Yeah, because people just extrapolate the one practice and just make it the thing. So yeah. I'm curious who that will happen to. Um, and I, I'm probably a pick. There's going to be someone who with a pick that feel really like play him, you know. There's always there's always yeah. going to be those little plays like um who was it on who's the safety who transferred to Florida or uh, Miami? Um Jamel Cook. Oh, okay. In yeah. in spring when he had all those plays like and everyone was a big Jamel Cook fan. I feel like something like that will happen as well. But no, I I'm just excited to see how they put this on, what it will look like and if Brew McCoy will be full go, I believe he will be because this will be the acclimatization period. Two practices, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Yeah. It's tough asking him to do that. Uh, full, first full pads on Saturday as a spring game, but I think he can do it. Um, yeah. It, it was good to see him catching some passes. And, you know, Kyle Ford's out there just doing the individual drills. We talked about him before, but they were throwing the ball back and forth, doing like some one-handed catches and stuff. It was cool to yeah, that was nice to see him, you know, do stuff like that. I uh, wish we could see Kyle Ford out there. But if you do get Brew McCoy back for the spring game, uh, I think that will definitely add an element. Because, you know, there's there's some issues with cornerback depth for sure, but there's also issues with uh, receiver, you know, depth. Yeah. Now, there's, there's a bunch of bodies out there, More certainly more bodies than you have corners. Um, but, you, you know, it's sort of a lack of – the star power outside of Drake London, who yeah. had a little bit of a scare, I think, on the one-on-ones. Like he's he made some freaking ridiculous plays with, against great coverage. Yeah, uh, but then the one looked a little off, and he just got banged up. It seemed like it looked like he twisted his ankle a little bit, or something happened. Like it was a leg injury type thing, and he 
kind of hobbled over to the side of the the field where the wood boundary is and like slammed the wood uh, fence and then kind of hobbled over to the table was was looked at and then came back yeah. a couple of plays later and, and played. So that was that was something that looked like, oh, shoot, USC's down another wide receiver. This is not good for their depth. But he came back. But, you know, I. I think it'll be interesting to see if fans can pick up on the camaraderie that I think we've seen so far. Because in games, you can't really see that as much because, like, they're so focused on their opponent. But, like, here in this situation, you can kind of see where they're kind of fighting against each other and, and teasing each other a little bit. So I'm curious that will that will show on Saturday. Uh, I think it will. I, I mean, just having USC fans in the Coliseum is going to be unique enough. That's going to be crazy. It was very unique to do things like cover practices in person. This is going to make it feel like a lot more normal, I think, sure. just being out there yeah. and uh, checking it out. But yeah, 1 o'clock, uh, Pac-12 Network, it will be live, or you live. can come to the Coliseum if you are a season ticket holder. And hopefully, they I, I don't know if they've sent out the notices, but you know, hopefully you get that in time and are able to come out and uh, check out the team. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you've heard from parents too, Keely. They're, they're <laughs> very excited. To, they're uh, very, very excited, yes. Yeah. Um, it's understandable, you know? Hmm. What, that yeah. they're excited? <laughs> oh, yeah, I completely understand. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you want to see your kid of course. play. And I mean, My uh, parents watch my horrible volleyball games. I can only imagine if <laughs> they had a D1 <laughs> football player, they would definitely want to see that. I think I think Cromenhoek mentioned um, that like in Arizona last year, there were some fans because they had family members yeah, there that were, were allowed to come. So. There were. Uh, so that was some, you know, little uniqueness there. Like, yeah. So this will be the first time since then, right? That Yeah. Really, any kind of people in the seats, yeah, 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 exactly. But like, for as far as like actual USC fans not related to the team, this will be the first time since the holiday bowl, yeah. Which is good. How did that go? I don't remember that one. Is it the holiday bowl? The holiday bowl, (laughs) goodness me, Ryan. Sorry, that was just a (laughs) just a troll. That was was, was such a bad game. Oh my god. Um, (laughs) let's not talk about that. Why are we bringing that up? I don't know. You brought it up twice, so I had to like think about in the fan context, right? Right, but I don't, it's like I don't ignore what happened in the game. True. I know I some know. some will. Oh, probably spicy. should, right? Yeah. yeah, no. I remember being like, "Can I go home at like the third quarter?" Oh, and that's the <laughs> that's rough. the worst place to cover. I again. hate Qualcomm so, so much. bad. <laughs> Has it been torn down yet? No, it's still there. It's huh? still there. She's still there. Just tear it down. God. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I think that's a pretty good recap and preview of what's gonna we're gonna see this weekend. Why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and answer some questions. Back in a minute. All righty, we're back here on the Parastyle Podcast. Uh, did you enjoy your break, Keely? I did. Super long. Fun. Did you go for a walk or what did you do? I did walk around the block, Ryan. Yeah, I did. Uh, did a few sets of uh, you know some squats and, uh, and no, I'm just kidding. He's, uh, where, he's trolling. Just you know what are we doing? I, that's one of the jokes we do on the podcast of champions. Like, what you do on your break? Um, yeah. Just for people who don't know, it's a 15 second break for us. Yeah, it's very like, quick. It's, it's really quick. Um, all right. Well, we got some voicemail questions why don't we start uh, we'll do what we'll do a voicemail then we'll do i think we have one email and then we'll yes. switch we'll sw- what's so we'll do a voicemail email voicemail we'll start off with the voicemail hello this question's for ryan and keely third time's a charm here so anyways uh, i was just calling because it seems like i've heard in the past mike jinks talk about how he's not used to having the backs that he currently has like in the past step before he transferred and then Vi and Carr, you know, that size style of back in this air raid offense. 
But it seems like he has, you know, a prototypical air raid style of scat back or in speed, flash speed back in Keenan Kristen. But it's just weird because it seems like Keenan Kristen really never sees the field unless there are in, injuries. So it seems like he has a back that he normally has, or at least is looking for for an air raid. But then the guy never plays unless he, he you know, there are injuries in front of him. So, anyways, I was just wondering if uh, maybe there's a disconnect or something I'm not following, but if you guys could give your thoughts on that. Fight on, Jason, on one more country. Yeah, Jason left a couple of voicemails earlier trying to uh, convey those points. and Oh. Maybe, you know, didn't quite get it. It didn't come out exactly the way I wanted. So it's, that's why I said third time's a charm. Got it. Okay. I didn't know. This one's on a good, wrong, Jason. Yeah. yeah. Well done, Jason. Very consistent. Uh, yeah. What? Any thoughts on uh, using Keenan Kristen? And we we haven't seen him this spring. Yeah. Well, we haven't seen him this spring, but I know that Jinx has talked about weight is a key thing for him, and I believe coming into the season, Kristen was like around one seventy three, one seventy eight in between there, which is skinny. That's that's pretty light for a, a back, and so I think Jinx said he wanted him more in the one ninety range. Um, so I think that was the biggest issue for why they didn't want to play him as much. And then just pass protection wise, um, he was because he's smaller. He wasn't a guy who you could put out there and be like, okay, we know Keaton's going to be protected, and that's something obviously you want to ensure given the history of USC's quarterback. So I think that was an issue. Um, and, and the thing is, is, if you don't have a guy who's consistent in pass protection, then he's a guy who's like a specialty guy that defenses can key on. You know, okay, that guy's in they're going to hand the ball off. You right, know what yeah. I mean? So it's, it's a, it's an issue in that sense, but I think it was just cause he was smaller. He's not the size that Jinx wants and he can't really do much about that. Yeah. It's the whole running back rotation. It's tough because they just have not been very effective running the football, but Keely brings up a good point. I mean, there's other aspects to it. You know, they, they do want to see you pass protect. And if a lot of times when the offensive line have problems and they're, you know, maybe not picking up the right stunts and, you get a safety or a linebacker coming free. You want that running back in there to, uh, you know, make the stop and you know just you know put put a body on that free rusher and protect the quarterback and give him some extra time to get rid of the football. So I think it's a big part of what they do. We did see, you know, they talked about doing some two back sets. We've seen some of seen that. A lot of that, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times though, they're you know might be used as a receiver. It's like less of a lead blocker kind of situation, but they're, you know, I, they talked about wanting to find like featured back. I don't think it's going to be Kristen right now, just from watching, um, you know, Deontay Ingram, like he's looked Deontay, like, yeah. I'm sorry, Keontae, sorry. Deontay, Deontay Burnett. <laughs> yeah. Deontay Burnett, like, wow, I got screwed those up, but you know, Ingram has looked, um, like a, like he could be the guy to me so yeah. far, uh, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, Vavai could, and, uh, I think Stephen Carr could, I mean, they, they've got some options there. You know, Brandon Campbell, I thought has looked pretty good and having Kristen not out there is not helping him for sure. You know? Yeah. That's um, definitely not going to help. And that, unfortunately for Kristen, just the way USC's offensive line played, you kind of need a guy who's going to be a bruiser who can like burst through that first contact. Cause you're going to get hit like right at <laughs> pretty yeah. soon once you get the ball in your hand. So it's not a great setup for him, just the way his body's constructed. But I thought 
you know, Keontae Ingram has been impressing me because I feel like he's one of those guys who is not slowed by the first contact. Like he still keeps running. And I think that's something that USC needs because they had someone kind of in that with Marquis Step, and you miss that type of physical, I'm going to keep running even if you touch me type of guy. So yeah. um, I like he's a guy who you hear the pops a little bit when when uh, we were in the Coliseum too, it echoed a little bit. So uh, I'm impressed by him. So I think it's I think he has a spot. He has a. He looks good to me. I think he can catch the ball out of the backfield. This is more of the offense he kind of ran in high school, I believe, than mm. what they were running at Texas. He just seems pretty comfortable out there. I know there were some fumble issues uh, later on in Texas. I haven't seen that no. like this fall so far, at least from what we've seen. Um, but just you know, at first glance, he was like, "Yeah, that dude could play." Like, I would not be shocked if he was, you know, one of the featured backs or the featured back at some point, even with the veterans that, you know. USC has coming yep. back, but they, I, I think, you know, to Jason's point, I think there's more, you got to fix some of this run game stuff. And it's not necessarily about, well, why aren't you getting this guy touches or this guy touches, but you just, it, you want it to be an effective weapon and not like the thing you have to do because you can't pass every down. Like yeah. that's where you got to get, you're going to get in trouble. There's going to be third and shorts where, what do you do? Do you put two backs in there or an H back and just, and run some kind of power, run something where you, you know, you, you're probably get hit the line of scrimmage and are you tougher and you push forward and get the yard and, and make the first down. They have not been effective at doing that. And it just, it did feel like the run game was sort of like the necess, you know, like I'm eating this, you know, you want a food analogy, there you're we this go. amazing meal. And it's like, Oh, I got prime rib and I got these garlic mashed potatoes and stuff. And the running game is sort of like the the green thing, the Brussels sprouts that you're, you know. Okay. The, the, I'll take a couple bites. The carnivore doesn't necessarily, like, it's on the plate, but it's like, that's not, I, I'm more about the steak and I'm more about the potatoes. Yeah. Um, you need, you know, you want to see more of that where it's like, it's part of the, it's, it says, you know, wow, these are like Brussels sprouts made with like bacon and, uh, you know, some kind of grease. It's like, oh man, they're, t- they're tasty and. <laughs> There, there is, you know, I would have this bite as much as I would have the other bites. And that's just not the the running game hasn't been that for USC. Yeah. Uh, someone made a meme that you were choosing dating uh, analogies. That. that was great. Shouts to whoever made that. I'm sorry. I did like one dating it. analogy, you know. Yeah. But, but people miss the food analogies, right? Yeah. But okay. no, I mean, USC's running issues are so, I feel like there were so many layers to it. You know, you have an offensive line that's not getting pushed or not picking up the correct guys when they're stunting. And then you have uh, running backs who, I, mean, I feel like, like Stephen Carr got a little bit of happy feet at times. He just would kind of juke a little bit and not yeah. just burst through the hole. And then you have a scheme that sometimes was just so predictable for for defenses to key on. So it all of that does not combine to a healthy, thriving run game. And so I think it just gets it got more stale as the season progressed in that sense. It did. What was the game? Was it the UCLA game where Vivai like had all the rushing yards and like nobody else was effective at all? Or was that the... I think that might have been Washington the, State. Washington, yeah. There was, he had like 100 yards rushing, but like he had like five 19 net. carries and it was like everyone else had like, you know, five carries for negative yards or something. Yeah. It was just so weird. Like stuff like that. Like yeah, you just don't want to see that, you know? And I get like a lot of the old school USC fans are like from the student body left days and... So I, I think for the most part, they've been pretty sympathetic. Like, hey, you know what? This is a really effective offense. But you, even when these offenses are effective, you can run the football. And it just seems like it's been such an afterthought for USC. It's just not been the focus, you know? And really, for the first first time in a couple of years, you have kind of a, a high-ranked 
running back recruit coming in, so maybe that helps a little bit. Yeah. You have a high profile transfer coming in. Um, now you lose a guy that was a fan favorite in Marquis Step. He was, uh, you know, he's injured he, again at Nebraska. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Very unfortunate. But you know, he was someone that the fans could get behind. Um, so now that you know they're gonna, you know, you got the, like the the steady Vavai, you know, Malapai. Like, yeah. He's got a lot of fans. Uh, you know, if Stephen Carr had fans just being a five-star recruit you get that yeah. you know um yeah i mean for usc's run game like it's one thing if okay it works at times when we need it to but we're just torching guys in the passing game but that it got to a point where there was so much pressure on the passing game and on keaton himself that it just it it hindered what you're supposed to be good at in that sense so then you just were kind of flailing a little bit on both sides of the spectrum you know like okay we need to rush and now we can't and okay we need to pass and now these balls are, are fluttering you know it was it you want Keaton to be comfortable that he can do whatever he needs to uh depending on the down and distance so yeah RJ Abadia did a good uh like analytics piece on USC short yardage situation stuff and uh as you can guess it was not not positive uh Pretty much historically bad how bad they were in the short yards yeah. yardage game. So that's something they need to address for sure. I don't I don't think you know, you can throw the ball, you know, seventy times a game, but I I think you still need I don't that's not gonna be USC. Like they're gonna throw the ball, but you gotta have an effective run game. Yeah, you just you need to be effective in what you can do, and that's what I was saying. Like your run game was then hurting what you were successful in. Yeah. So it, you need to fix it. All the pressure was on that. Yeah, All yeah, right. yeah. We we kind of labored. That was like a ten minute answer to a question. Sorry. Well, we had to for every voicemail that Jason left, we had to add more minutes on. We you did, know? yeah. Since it was third try. Yeah. Uh, so I should have to... saved the other ones and played them. Just you know, <laughs> yeah. it's funny when people like start leaving a voicemail. It's just like abort. You know, like it's fine. I mean, you know, sometimes I see like, wow, we got like ten voicemails, but like five of them are you know aborted attempts so yeah. as people who speak for a living i understand it it's right. not it's not an easy thing to do and i think some of it is just you have to shrug, like you're going to say things that aren't clean all the time you just got to roll with you it you just got to roll with it it's mm-hmm. like and just you know i don't care if i screw up like oh i said that wrong you know, yeah. just keep moving on you just roll with it yeah <laughs> uh, we have an email from our buddy dan class of 1962 and oliver last week we got a, a dog picture uh we got a different dog picture this week from a different uh listener yeah junior from marino valley had his shouts uh, to junior's dog yeah so we, we were I, I read that email on the harvey hyde podcast but people Ryan. can't see the, the picture yeah the dogs are for the Keeley podcast oh sorry <laughs> it's a well, new rule that i'm uh in. he said harvey hyde specifically oh okay just kidding never mind that that can go to Harvey. Yeah. Okay, so we got an email from Dan. He says, Hi, Ryan and Keeley. Thanks, as always, for the great reporting on what is happening during spring practice, especially noting the standout performers. With the transfer portal decommits and the like, and the lack of media guide from last year, it's hard to know much about the USC roster. Your reporting helps with our roster familiarity. In the good old days when a player was on the team for four years, we were able to really get to know the players. My question for you is about the new Pac-12 commissioner. Thank goodness we are finally getting rid of Larry Scott, but who do you see as the leading contenders for the position? We need Strong Pac-12 leadership if USC and other conference schools are going to receive the best national recognition. Fight on and win. Dan, class of 1962, and Oliver. P.S. Oliver's hero is George Tirebiter, although he does like Traveler as well. Nice. Uh, well, hopefully Oliver's doing well. Yes. Not sure how you know what his idol is, but that's okay. I mean, it's He like... said that in the email. Oh, you don't know how Dan knows that. Yes. <laughs> you looked at me when he said that, so I was like, what? No, I knew what you, yeah, what you say. Um <laughs> I love that Dan like starts off talking about 
you know, transfer portal, no media guy and all this stuff. And you then never like, know. Larry Scott, like, oh, oh, okay. It's a journey. The Danny emails are a journey. There was a journey. Yeah. There was a, they're not formulaic. They're sort of like, you know, there's, they, they take different paths at different times. You know, you're like, I like what, you know, you could start off one way and then you completely 180 and go a different way. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that the Pac-12 hired a good search firm, the same search firm. I think Utah got their athletic director from the ACC got their, um, you know, conference commissioner from it's, there was a couple timelines um, and it's taking a little longer I think that there was two timelines. One was going to be things got done a little quicker and one was going to be, it's going to be a little more drawn out. And it certainly seems like it's going towards the, the more drawn out ones. Um, yeah. I, I think like a guy like Greg Byrne was, you know, he was one of the candidates. Uh, I think they've, you know, he's expressed he's going to stay at Alabama. He was the former Arizona uh, athletic director, you know, like an Oliver Luck, uh, there's, there's, there's guys out there that I feel like from the, you know, John Wilner, you know, John Canzano, some of those guys doing a good job reporting. I, yeah. I, you know, I read a John Canzano column. He talked to Michael Schill, who's the president of the, you know, the, the search firm. So he's like on the, the committee, the leadership committee for the PAC 12 presidents and counselors. It was really more about Schill's background and how it became, you know, there was really not a lot about the conference commissioner search in there. Um, but they're, I think they're going to try to be as, you know, formulaic as possible, step-by-step. Here's what we're going to do. Keeping options open. A lot of times you go into these things, you know, when USC was looking for their athletic director after Pat Hayden, they hired a search firm and they came out and hired Lynn Swan, which, you know, like no, no search firm worth its salt would have picked some guy out of his basement in Pennsylvania. So you had someone in mind going into wow, it. right? You, I mean, that's basically what happened. You, you had something in mind going into it, and you hire a search firm for like legal purpose or whatever it is. It wasn't you want someone like this, and you find this guy, and that's what you're bringing in. There's no logical reason that said like, oh, here's why, because he's he was the athletic director here, and he was the athletic director there, and he did that. Like none of that was possible. So I feel like with the conference commissioner. It's hard to find a current conference commissioner or a former conference commissioner. So you're getting it, it makes more sense. You're getting people that you would project as, hey, this is going to work. It could be an athletic director. It could be a former athletic director. It could be someone that's working on the media side. And I think there's some of those names have have come up. But I I have some confidence, Dan, that this is going to be an effective search. I feel like they're doing it the right way. There's some searches that just aren't, you know, they're like, yeah. you have something in mind and that, you know, USC hired Steve Sarkeesian, right? Like, yeah, with, you had the guy in mind, like, we want to bring our guy back. Like, yeah. it wasn't, what should we do? Like, no, it was, we're going to go get this guy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, horrible, wrong decision, but there was like a predetermined situation. And I don't think this is predetermined. You might make a bad hire. You might make a great hire, but I feel like the process is going to be better than some other processes because- it happens all the time. People in power, they want this certain kind of leadership and they don't do research and they don't do a search. I think this is going to be a real search. I think you can be more confident about the process they're doing than like you alluded to, Ryan. Like, hey, we have our guy and we're just going through the motions to look like we're doing something. So, yeah. I mean, the Sark thing was just like, wait, what? You know, like if you read like um, 
you know, Ed Orgeron talked about that in the the book and just like, you know, he was shocked, you know, they, he had a handshake agreement from, from Pat Hayden, you know, uh, yeah. that they were going to be, he was going to be the guy and, uh, they just, you know, he had other plans and, uh, it wasn't cause they did some exhaustive search. It was because like, here's my dude. I know him. I want to get him. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I don't think that's going on, which is good. Yes. Uh, but all the presidents, all the different campuses have different priorities. And so it's going to be hard to sell it to everyone. I mean, I think at a program like USC or UCLA, where you're in a major market and you're sharing revenue with the Corvallis's and the Pullman's of the world. Yeah. I mean, there's, you're like, Hey, you know, we're, we're carrying the load for most of this, you know, can we get something more? Um, you know, and you know, if you're the Oregon States and, you know, you want to be able to travel to Southern California and recruit California more. And then everyone's going to have different priorities and you're trying to find someone that can keep all the presidents happy, all the universities happy, fix as many of the many, many problems that were created by Larry Scott and the hole that the PAC 12 is in right now, you know, starting with the revenue gap between other conferences, you know, fixing the PAC 12 network, um, you know, saving more money than what they're doing now, as far as like being in the, you know, putting your office in the most expensive real estate in the country. Maybe don't do that. You know, they, there's, there's a lot of things you could do to fix things. So there's a, there's a long list of problems, sort of like when the USC athletic director, you know, Mike bone came over who actually was at practice the other day and like waved up at us and stuff. Yeah. It was funny. He wanted to know what we were being charged for such good seats for practice. <laughs> um, but Mike Bone comes in, Brandon Sosna comes in, and there is a, you know, if you had a whiteboard, it would have been full of yeah. A-level problems, and then you filled, like, seven other whiteboards of all these other problems that were, like, and so you start trying to knock some of them out. Same thing with the Pac-12 commissioner. There's a lot of problems. You just got to start knocking them out. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Well done, Ryan. All right. We got one last question, and uh, we'll, be, we'll be done. Here's the last one. Hey, Ryan. This is Curtis. Just had a question about the thousand-pound gorilla in the offensive room. You know the one that drops back two deep safeties on every play, three down linemen, four linebackers, two dropping to the flat and two dropping to the middle curl area, and, of course, the two corners dropping into deep coverage. You can't get rid of the ball quick like you want to with the air raid. You have to hold on to the ball longer than you normally would as a passer going against drop eight and drop seven. Are we practicing against drop eight and drop seven? Or are we going against man defense, which nobody's going to run on us? Curtis from Moreno Valley. Thanks, Curtis. Um he seemed like he was calling from uh, maybe a, a mountaintop somewhere or something, you know, like Curtis on the in the car. Usually, yeah, but Curtis, Curtis on in the, the car. road. He, he, I bet you, he was listening to the podcast with Harvey Hyde and was paused like, it. I, I gotta, gotta call, call it. it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, normally, he's like he sound usually good good sound quality mm -hmm. from Curtis, but this was definitely a road call. Um, right now, you're not seeing we're not seeing any kind of scout team looks. We're seeing yeah. the defense run stuff and the offense run stuff. Are we seeing like vanilla drop eight stuff? I don't remember seeing much of that. I no. mean, are you seeing the, 
you know, the nickel corner, like blitzing from the slot. Yeah. Like you're seeing stuff like that happen. Are Are they running some stunts up front? Yes. They're doing. They're aggressive. They're aggressive. anything else. This is not a. So right now, Curtis, I wouldn't say they're like trying to throw, uh, drop a whole bunch of dudes into coverage at this offense because that's. They're doing, they're not going to, the USC defense is probably not going to do that. They're working on what they're going to do right now. And like when they do scout team stuff or whatever, service team, then you'll probably have to face that more. But they're, the the USC defense is working on what they need to work on and not trying to necessarily service the offense right now. That's what the scout team is for. So, um, I mean, that's something that they could engineer when they do, you know, one-on-ones or seven-on stuff like that, where they could probably do that better. Yeah. Um, but no, we're not we're not seeing the USC's defense specifically engineer that to make USC's offense their life harder. Right. Curtis is, like, big on the whole, like, he doesn't like the drop eight stuff happening. He wants to make sure. I mean, it was an issue. I definitely think it's something that needs to be practiced more. But I think spring camp is not necessarily the time for that necessarily. Yeah, I wouldn't say this is what you're going to do now. Yeah, the BYU game sort of like everyone's like, the oh, blueprint. maybe do that a little bit. It's yeah. the blueprint. Yeah, I know. Which is so weird when uh, teams like Utah just go out and play man. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, like what? That, that was so bizarre. Yeah, yeah. But no, I mean, it's something that needs to be worked on. But I definitely think the defense is they're focusing on themselves. They're going to do them. Right. You know? They're not. Their job is not to like. Which help the offense right now yeah sorry to cut you off right but no. that's also not an easy task either because they're sending guys at keaton's throat right now like it's it's high pressure environment so it's they're getting tested either way so if you're out there saturday at the coliseum probably not gonna be too loud you know there's not gonna be that many people everything's spread out but when you hear from the defensive sideline sack sack like look at Vic soto yeah <laughs> that is likely him screaming sack yeah, it doesn't matter if one of his guys sacks or whoever it is you know, and we're not seeing actual sacks. It's really just a guy getting to the backfield yeah, and touching basically it. would be crushing Slovis, whoever the quarterback is. And they, you know, they whistle the play dead or they let it go on or whatever. But that the defense, you know, Vic Soto's sack, he's going to let you know. Which is hilarious because sometimes it's not really a sack, which gets on shotguns and nerves. So sometimes I'll right. just, I'll turn to shotgun and be like, sack, just to annoy him. Which but you fun. have to look and be like, okay, that was, like, I think, I think Isaiah Polamau like lined up. Uh, in the slot on one play it was against just boom in and his just face. went right yeah, yeah like it was like whoa <laughs> nobody saw it nobody picked him up yeah there, was, and then yesterday too there was Tuli Tui Pelotu and Drake Jackson just immediately a little crunch yeah in his face so there's a lot of pressure it's it's the defense is always fun to watch it's very interesting you know and I, I was a little annoyed yesterday so we didn't really? I didn't figure this out until later on we were talking with some of the media people around us so uh, Isaiah. I mean, I'm sorry. Isaac Taylor Stewart and Josh Jackson are wearing the same number. Did you just realize this? No, no, no. Oh, okay. They're playing the same position. Yes. And then they were wearing like the same long sleeve white thing underneath their jersey yesterday. Now, one guy had gloves on and like socks. So they're higher socks. So you kind of had to like figure. But like the one day like ITS was wearing like long sleeves and Josh Jackson wasn't. So they're like, okay, so it was pretty simple. Yeah. But from as far away as we are. You know, one guy's like an inch taller and, you know, 15 pounds heavier or something or 10 pounds heavier. The cornerback bodies look kind of the same. From that far away, it's really hard. Like, if they're standing right next to each other, you might be able to tell, like, with your binoculars. But then the fact that their backs are to us. So it's not like we can even see, like, a face shot. No. It's a helmet. There's helmets on. You can't, you can see the hairstyles are different, but we can't see that stuff. Yeah. But I was a little annoyed. I'm like, if you're going to wear the same number, one of you wears, 
And this is my rule. Like if you ever go, if you have a kid that's going to like a seven on seven tournament or a camp or a combine, whatever it is, and you're like a legit kid, wear something that stands out. Because when we're like watching and trying to film, it's a lot easier to say the guy with the bright orange shoes than the guy in the gray sweatpants because everyone has gray sweatpants on. (laughs) So wear something that stands out. They were wearing like the long sleeve underneath shirt stood out. Well, then they both were wearing it. So then I was like, okay, this is not cool. Usually in my notes, I have a six key. So I'm like, okay, how do we differentiate today between Josh Jackson and ITS? But yeah, it was hard. I mean, this is why you wear different numbers. Identification is easier that way. I'm still not sure why. Do we know what we ask her? We don't know. I think it's in my mind. I feel like it's a signal that like maybe it's a temporary switch to defense. Yeah. I don't know. Moving the Yeah. Cause if you, if, you get a new number, but, then it's like. But at this point, would you switch him back? No. Hells no. No. I mean, like I told Chris, I was like, the cornerbacks are like an endangered species species right now. Like they look so thin when they're just working with Dante Williams. Like yeah. it's a it's a problem. I mean, you're lucky that you moved a dude and he's not just like, uh, like who is the guy um, that Michael Castillo likes? Oh, Dominic, Dominic Davis. Davis yeah. yeah. Who was like a cornerback in name only. And it was just like, he's never doing anything. And you just feel bad because he's a good athlete. Yeah. Like Josh Jackson's out there. He's getting second team reps. Well, I mean, there's not that many guys, but uh, I mean, he looked really good. So that that's, you're lucky that you have him there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I mean, he was, especially with Chris Steele when he was out for the health and safety protocol thing, uh, he was definitely getting some run and looked good. Yeah. You know? He so. did. Um, the uh, Katie Dixon thing, if you look at like seeing him in person is interesting too, because you see, look at him as a little guy, but he's got significant legs. Like he's got some, some tree trunks down there, huh. you know, there's, uh, yeah. there's some power, I think, you know, behind it. So we'll see. I'm curious to see what he ends up looking like. Yeah. I think they're still mixing and matching guys. Like we're seeing a lot of guys move inside and outside. And so I'm curious how that develops and if they're going to be like, okay, now we know where you're best at. Now stay there, <laughs> you know? So yeah. We'll see. Yeah, no, I wouldn't think about moving him. I'm just like, no, 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 just, no, no. I know, but I was just, just thinking about like Gary Bryant and, and yeah, yeah. He's yeah. definitely more like a thinner, smooth kind of, you know. In my mind, guy. he's more of a slot guy, but they've been playing him outside. So. Yeah, which is weird. Yeah. But so. we've seen a lot of uh, Drake London outside, which mm-hmm. is cool. Yeah, you know, a little different. He yeah. would go against Chris Steele a bunch. Yeah, that's a fun matchup to watch. I think it was the first, it was the first couple of reps of one of the team periods, and like they just threw it to London on Steele a couple of times trying to. Yeah. See what they could do. But I mean, you could do worse than throw the ball up to Drake London. So Yeah, and, and London got a Crabtree comparison by uh, Seth uh, Daigie. Yeah, that's on, interesting. On Tuesday and Daigie played with him. So <laughs> he <laughs> it's knows a, it's a nice comparison there. That's that's a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're a pretty good show. We have like an hour and ten minute show. Oh, look that's at that. bad. Look yeah. At I that. thought it was pretty short, but we're, we're yeah, we're never short. We're talking. A lot of talking. Lots of stuff to cover. Uh, well, it's great to cover it with you, Keely, and it's great well, to be in person you, with Ryan. you. I know. Back in the studio. We're back. We're uh, back. What do you got coming up? You got a family feud coming up this week? Family or? feud, I believe, yes. There's always things in the works, Ryan. Yeah. Probably another Heard on the Sidelines. Hope actually, you guys, not this week, actually. No, no heard, heard it? Yeah, no heard it. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed the one from last week. Uh, I was sitting in a Tom House. Nice. Yeah, you haven't listened to it, go listen. Uh, definitely check that one out and, uh, you know, follow what's going on over the weekend. If you can't watch, make sure, well, always check out the coverage in uscfootball.com. We'll have a ton of analysis and insights from USC's spring game or the spring showcase. It's like you're there. 
Chris's yeah. notes. It's like you're there. Dude, those notes are detailed. Yeah. So it's check like, them out. It's like I was there and I don't remember that or I didn't see that. I was like, okay. Yeah. Cool. No, sometimes I feel like sometimes during like the one on one battles or whatever, I'm like, okay, nine throwing to 15, eight is the quarterback. Like I, I feel like I have to uh, be an auctioneer with saying all the numbers really quickly so Chris can write it down because they move pretty quickly in practice. But then, yeah. So you're trying to like, who's doing the rep? Like, here's the quarterback. Here's the debate. Here's the receiver. Okay. Do you say what? The, the play was too because they're starting another one and it's tough yeah yeah to, it, it's tough that's why like you need a scouter and a writer because it's yeah. like it's happening so fast that yeah so it's a team effort team effort for but sure. chris is killing it yeah awesome stuff so i hope you guys go ch- go to uscfootball.com check it out and hope you guys get to enjoy the usc spring game this weekend for keely or i am ryan abraham thanks so much for tuning in to the peristyle podcast hope you enjoyed the show and we will talk to you next time You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.